Does he take your pictures? Is your husband involved? What does he even do? To the Influencer Husband Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Joseph Ramirez, or at Influencer Husband on Instagram. My wife is at Danny Austin on the internet. If you want to see more behind the scenes of the influencer world, then follow either of us at any time. We try to be as real and transparent about our lives as possible for you all. This is the podcast where we come together to talk about all things influencer, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We talk about the industry at large. We talk about the impact influencers have on culture. That's both pop culture and internet culture. We share tips and tricks on how to be better content creators and a content consumer. We discuss how this industry affects everyone from a chief marketing officer of a Fortune 100 company to a husband like myself, having to juggle marriage with his wife's influencer career by speaking with empathy and understanding the situation from all points of view, hopefully we can make the internet a better place. But nevertheless, this podcast is a forum, a conversation, if you will, and it's a conversation that I welcome you to contribute to. So if you have an episode idea or just generally like the show, then do me a favor, open up Apple Podcasts app, Navigate to the Influencer Husband podcast and leave a rating and a comment with all of your ideas, feedback, improvements, etc. I do read every single one of those comments, and so I definitely appreciate you taking the time to respond. So, without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode about Instagram removing like count. What really happens when you get a like? And I'm not talking about the mechanism, you know, a a heart popping up on Instagram. I'm talking about the physiological and psychological effects of likes. Maybe it's harmless for some and you just move on about your day after your picture gets 400, 700, 20,000 likes. You're pleased that you created good content. You just move on. But according to an article by Harvard University researcher Trevor Haynes, When you get a social media notification, your brain sends a chemical message called dopamine along a reward path, which makes you feel good. Dopamine is associated with food, exercise, love, sex, gambling, drugs, and now social media. So Instagram recently announced that they are now testing the removal of like count in the following countries, Ireland, Italy, Japan, Brazil, Australia, and New Zealand. And of course, the test started in Canada. You know, this is a very drastic change from the very DNA that I feel was built into social media in the first place. And, you know, Instagram has been relatively quiet on their motives behind the move. Adam Mosseri, the head of Instagram, called it an attempt to, quote, create a less pressurized environment. And then more specifically, he stated at Facebook's annual F8 summit that, quote, We want people to worry a little bit less about how many likes they're getting on Instagram and spend a bit more time connecting with the people that they care about. The move by Instagram is setting the tone for other social media sites to move away from these, quote, vanity metrics in an effort to improve mental health and recalibrate around an authentic connection and content. And even Facebook alluded to the idea that it could also soon start hiding the like counter on newsfeed posts to protect users from envy and dissuade them from self-censorship. 
And then according to Marketing Land, YouTube is phasing out exact counts for public facing subscriber numbers on channels with 1000 or more followers beginning on September 2nd. This update quote will gradually roll out through the next months across YouTube and the public YouTube data API services. You know, sometimes I wonder if if social media is a lot like smoking was back in the 60s. There just isn't enough research or time that has elapsed for us to truly understand the harmful effects of social media being a part of our daily rhythms and actions. You know, popularized, I think, in the period piece Mad Men, we see a cigarette in nearly every scene. In homes, the people are smoking. In offices, the people are smoking. In restaurants, the people are smoking. Smoking is just this daily habit that advertising and human vulnerabilities exploited for billions. And now before anyone emails me, I'm not saying that social media is the equivalent of smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. I think that if you continue listening, you'll actually see that I think that there's benefits to this whole argument of removing like counts anyway. And, you know, I, I think that much different than a cigarette, I'm, I'm the first one to speak of the many redeemable qualities of social media if used responsibly and, you know, with the right heart behind it. But let's say for a second that I'm I'm right, and in the year 2029, a study is going to come out, and you know that's going to make us realize that it's not our lungs that are now black, but it's our minds. And you know, what at that point is a billion dollar company going to do about that today? There was this there was this quote I read once. I tried really hard to find it, and it was from Jeff Bezos about how he is planning for Amazon today, where they are going to be in 10 years. Um, and I think the exact anecdote was about someone saying, wow, great quarter Amazon had. And he said, yeah, I planned it three years ago. And, you know, I think that any successful company right now is probably doing the same, especially a company that is in the billions in revenue. You know, Facebook, who owns Instagram, mind you, booked about $55.8 billion in revenue in 2018. They employ 35,000 employees. So in my opinion, Facebook has plenty of people to think about that today at their company. I think that what Facebook and these other social media giants are going through right now is they're starting to think about 10 years from now. And they're trying to answer to the stockholders that are going to be sitting in front of them, not in 2019, but in 2029. And I think that YouTube is now following. Thus far, the only real insight into the shift away from these vanity metrics that we've, you know, been let into is, you know, from Adam Mosseri, who said, we don't want Instagram to feel like a competition. He also said they wanted users to, quote, focus on the photos and videos you share and not how many likes that you get. A YouTube team member wrote on the community forum blog for YouTube, and they said, the shift, quote, addresses creator content concerns about stress and well-being. And then he followed up by saying that they want their creators to focus on telling their story and experience with less pressure about the numbers. You know, the public sentiments behind what these social media giants are doing by removing likes and sharing of, about why they're doing it, it all seems very altruistic. And you know what, e even if it isn't, I think that the altruistic results will probably still happen. But what I think is really going on here and, and what's happening is that within these inner circles and deep within the boardrooms, these CEOs are really just worried about the long-term viability of their vision. 
You know, they've created these incentive structures for social media consumers that first were programmed into their platforms, like counts, things like that. And then into our minds as consumers through our daily habits using these platforms. I think that what they're starting to realize is that there's longer term value in their technologies being used for good versus evil. And of course, I mean good in the sense of their platforms being used as a way to connect with friends and loved ones in an authentic way. And then, of course, I mean evil as in, you know, social media is this daily dopamine hit to mask the deepest insecurities and shortcomings of the human heart. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, their mission is about profit because that's their duty. That's what they have to do as, you know, they have a fiduciary responsibility to their stakeholders to seek profit for the company. But I still think that retraining an entire set of, of generations on healthy digital conduct is something that, no influencer, myself included, who has been berated in DMs by a 56-year-old mother of five with a picture of her dog as her profile picture is going to really disagree with. You know, these companies need to tell us what social media is and what it is not. And I think that the, their move to try and clean up the space is both in line and within the boundaries of the mission of this podcast as well. And you know, I'm in full support of this. I know I've tried to uncover their motives and I've, I've thrown a few jabs in there, but I actually am in full support of them removing likes. And let me tell you why. Even if I had 1 million listeners per episode, I, I wouldn't even be making a dent in the education needed to clean up the mess that is social media culture. I do my best. You know, I talk about what it means to be an influencer and the responsibility you should have to be an influencer and how you should create content that is original and telling and, and authentic to your story. But it, even if I blew up and this podcast blew up, it wouldn't even make a dent in the people that need to be re-educated on what it means to be a digital creator and a digital consumer. And I think that what these social media companies are having to do is they're having to attack the problem right at the knees. And there's only two ways to do that. It's either by law, you know, i.e. don't smoke on airplanes or restaurants or in a more economics 101 sense at the level of incentives. And what I mean by that is, you know, Mark Zuckerberg saying, quote, we're going to clean up online behavior by attacking the incentive structure of likes that's fueling the bad behavior. So when I talk this out, I, I really agree with them removing likes at a macro level. I think it's an, an, an important and necessary step for these platforms to make. And I really do think it'll have an, a positive impact on the world. And I know that that sounds crazy to say, but I mean, these platforms have the ability to sway opinion in such monumental ways that I, 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 I think we're not being cheesy when we talk about them making these changes could truly affect the world. But at the micro level, I, I still, at the end of the day, I'm an influencer husband and I rely on this economy just as much as every other influencer out there wondering what's going to happen with this movement is right now. You know, before I get into my predictions and preparations for how this move is going to affect influencers, you know, and the culture around it, I, I just want to have one little side tangent on this podcast episode. I do understand the stereotype that people peg on influencers. 
you know, they're just trying to get likes and attention and they let likes define their value as a person and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I don't want to act perfect, neither myself nor Danny, because I, th- I still think in certain seasons we we do struggle with the comparison that likes do bring and the competitiveness sometimes that it feels like likes create and all that. But I, I would say that for the most part, I, I feel like we are both very healthy users of YouTube and Instagram as, you know, her being an influencer. But let me say something really quick. What would make, I think, what would make cleaning up social media so much easier, Mark Zuckerberg, if you're listening, is if instead of removing likes, you remove timestamps on posts. You know, I'm a I'm a big proponent of TikTok. And what I love about TikTok is that there's no timestamp of when someone posted, you know, so if something's circling, circling through your feed, it could have been from three weeks ago, or it could have been from three days ago, they prioritize good content, you know, and they push it to the top. And then you discover that creator and that creator could have one TikTok posted, or he could have one, one a day posted. I don't, I feel like they remove so much pressure by just taking the timestamp out of the equation. And I, I don't know, I, it's hard to explain, but when you take away the timestamp, it just takes away this huge necessity that you feel to post every single day. And I think that that's the incentive structure that we struggle with the most is this necessity for Danny and I to feel like we have to post and entertain and be and show up every single day, right? It's what makes this more of a lifestyle than it is a job for the most part. But I did notice I, I I like TikTok for that reason. I like that they took the timestamps away. And I think that Instagram could potentially benefit from it as well. But I also understand, Mark, that, you know, your stockholders aren't going to be super happy if, you know, you give them one metric that says, on average, users are posting three times or four times a week. And now they're posting three times a month. I don't think that your, your stockholders are going to be very happy about that. So I definitely understand. But If you ever want to talk more about my ideas, just let me know. Back on track here. The big question, what does removing likes mean for influencers out there? So established at this point, I think at a macro level, love the idea. think it's beneficial. think it's going to really, you know, help the human psyche and also just human beings be better. But, you know, this is the Influencer Husband podcast, and we have to talk about what this is going to look like for influencers, which I think is a valid and potentially scary question. But while we don't know, and uh, it's looking likely that they're going to remove likes, I I don't think it's like absolutely confirmed. And if it is, you know, it's because I recorded this podcast too soon, maybe. But I'm going to make five different predictions on what this will look like if they decide to continue forward in removing likes. And my hope here is to dissuade you from doomsday scenarios. You know, if you ever thought that Instagram owed you anything because you were a creator, I think you should just use this as an ability to change your mindset fast because they are going to change their platform based on the masses and not you as a creator. And I think that you will be a better creator, a better influencer if you're able to roll with the punches and just change and adapt and ride innovation and continue to be successful in new ways that Instagram is allowing for you to create and YouTube is allowing for you to create so on and so forth. But number one, 
I believe that vanity metrics will be replaced with authenticity metrics. So, you know, you all know that I am probably the, the biggest idealist when it comes to influencers. The other big pro influencer person out there that I know is a journalist named Taylor Lorenz. And I haven't talked about her yet on this podcast, but, you know, she is the, actually the one who broke the story about Instagram husbands. Uh, it was an Atlantic article where she really talked about kind of this new wave of Instagram husbands. I was one of the first people that talked to her about that interview. She's super kind, awesome, fair, accurate reporter, and she is very, uh, I don't know where she stands these days, but she seems she seemed back then to be very pro-influencer. She now is a writer for the New York Times on internet culture, and she just does really good work. You should follow her. She's actually the one that got me into TikTok. But I am the most pro-influencer person out there. I believe that God has given everyone a story and whether you have the ability to reach one or one million people, that story told online has the ability to positively affect someone else. I believe that these platforms gather attention. They demand attention from other people. And I believe that you have the ability to integrate you yourself into their lives by them consuming content in a positive way. I believe that the best influencers see their job as a service and a focus on the audience to serve that audience best. And then on the flip side, I think that influencers in it for the wrong reasons do abuse the platforms as vanity, right? So simply put, by ridding out one of these vanity metrics, I think that you create better influencers. Simple as that. So the the influencers out there that are in it for themselves or the vanity, and they now have one less number to look at to glorify or satisfy themselves. I think, you know, it it just further takes the vanity metrics out of it and replaces them with new metrics, authenticity metrics. Ryan Dietert, I hope I said that right, is the CEO of Influential, an AI-based influencer marketplace. And he stated, quote, content not likes is what's driving the train. There are several other metrics that can be used to measure the validity and effectiveness of a brand's campaign. He also goes on to say, we also look at story engagement, follower growth, and attention metrics like video completion, audio on or off, and valid and viewable impressions. Click-through rates that measure new leads and website traffic is also something that we look at very closely, end quote. You know, I think that brands are, are smarter than we think. You know, I don't think that they just go to any profile and then look how many likes they say and say, oh, this is a valuable relationship. I think that that is one factor, but I think that they're analyzing other key data points too. And I think that while likes is a great way for influencers to feel like they're keeping score, maybe, I think that oftentimes it can actually be a distraction because you stop serving the audience with your craft and you instead start creating for what you think that they want to see, right? And I think that when that happens, this creates this loop, a content loop, which is probably what is happening in the fashion blogger space right now. You see a lot of pumpkins, walls, cute, cute outfits, car picks, et cetera. It's just what works, but there still needs to be innovation and originality to kind of keep the dream of Instagram alive. 
So in summary with this point, you know, vanity metrics are going to be replaced with authenticity metrics, which are going to create more authentic influencers. Good thing, not a bad thing. So number two, followers are probably going to become more important. You know, although I commend the sentiment of, you know, what is happening by removing the like count, I, I think that it definitely is one less vanity metric, but I also, unfortunately, am a firm believer in human nature. I think that if they affect the incentive structure of one publicly facing metric, then humans are going to naturally look for the other incentive structure that's public facing. And, you know, in a perfect world, the experiment works in Canada and Brazil and everywhere else. And people go back to focusing on the originality and the beauty of the content as Instagram wants them to do. It come, becomes more about quality over content and frequency of posting and likes. And that may happen. They they have way more data accessible uh, from their findings uh, through Canada than I obviously do. But I, I do remain skeptical. I think that as likes disappear, the greater emphasis will be placed onto follower count, both from the brand's point of view and from the influencer's point of view. It's all about an incentive structure. You know, I one time interned at a um, PR agency right out of college and you know, I remember when we were working on a client at the time, I forgot, maybe maybe Coca-Cola or something. It was, it was a big agency. But I remember we would deliver these impression reports, right? And as a PR agency, we knew that that's what the brand wanted to see. They wanted to see high numbers that meant that the dollars that they were investing in the agency was yielding results. It's, it's all about numbers. It's about an executive in a conference room looking at a line sheet that says, okay, great. You got me 200 million impressions this month. Great. Now let me take that to my boss. And then that boss to this boss, all the way up to the CEO. And it's not anyone's fault. It's just the way that the world works. You know, everyone is looking at snapshots of what value looks like. And you have to measure that in impressions. You have to measure that in engagement. You have to measure that in sales everyone's just looking for these metrics to know if what they're doing is working. So as like counts, you know, dissipate, I think that we will start focusing more on follower count and follower count will be this new clout score. But, you know, I, I think it's going to be maybe even harder to grow without this validation of high engagement. You know, one thing I've been seeing lately is the rise of uh, private Instagram accounts. And I've seen it predominantly done for meme accounts, it seems like, or comedy accounts. But it's an interesting theory because I'm always so curious to see what's behind that wall. And I can I almost hard, almost every time do subscribe and then I forget to unsubscribe. And so they got a new follower out of it. But you know, maybe this will be the new way to lure people into following versus liking. Who knows? But, you know, it's just a, another theory I've been pontificating, if you will. But I, I don't I love what Instagram is doing, but I do believe that there still will be some vanity metric that replaces like counts. And I think it's most likely going to be followers. So number three, Instagram wants to own their influencers. Ooh. This is a uh, 
pretty paranoid theory, I think. So, you know, it, if you remember, it was a pretty quiet announcement, but a couple months back, Instagram rolled out this shop feature, right? It's the, the little tag that appears when you see that article or the item that you like. You know, this was an interesting move on, on their part, considering that most influencers have some, if not all, their income coming in from affiliate models. The shoppable tag was a little scary for some people. So in the fashion blogging space, one of the main affiliate partners is called Reward Style. And, you know, when Instagram rolled out this announcement that, you know, they were going to get into shopping and start making their platform into a commerce system, it seemed like they were maybe taking a tiny step towards getting a piece of this off app revenue, we'll call it, that Instagram is not currently cut into. And, you know, the fatal flaw that they made in this decision, and they're probably working towards this, but the fatal flaw that they made was in their announcement, they didn't allow for any affiliate linking, meaning that influencers could take products and post about them and tag them for the companies, but not receive any commission from it. And so, you know, with Facebook and Instagram, largely catering to small businesses and, and brands as their advertisers. This this kind of makes sense for one side of the equation, but not really the influencer side. You know, right now, uh, what you have is you have an example. Let's give you. So right now, influencer wears outfit. You know, influencer pushes people to like to know it or an affiliate link. Someone purchases through said affiliate link and influencer receives a commission of the revenue if they recommend that through their link. And currently there's nowhere in that equation where Instagram is receiving a cut of the very economy that is happening on their platform. And I mean, I would be upset too. You know, I I remember I was talking to someone who I, I don't think I should probably name, but he is quite chummy, if you will, with Facebook because of the millions of dollars in, in ad dollars, I guess he manages four different brands and clients that he then funnels into Facebook and Instagram every year. And I'll never forget he, when, when the shoppable link went live, I called him and he told me that, you know, Instagram doesn't want any money flowing that they don't have a part of, you know, the Influencer economy, I think, is a large part of the pie that Instagram is currently not really touching in terms of revenue. It's happening on their platforms, but they're not receiving any compensation for it. You know, it's all happening offline, you know, off the platform, and then it's obviously posted on the platform. And, you know, maybe, I guess, again, I call this my most paranoid theory of why they're doing this, but you know, perhaps the first step is shoppable links and the next step is an Instagram affiliate program and backend. And then the next step is this brand partnership portal, you know, where you can invest in an influencer and it's actually transacted on their infrastructure in the same way as purchasing an ad on Facebook is. I don't know. You know, I, I don't, I don't know what's going, what the future of brand 
an advertiser partnerships with influencers is going to look like. I don't know if Instagram or Facebook is trying to get into that space. It could make sense. So they're trying to hide more data so that they can pair you better with influencers. Who knows? But it's interesting to kind of play out what could be happening if you keep in mind the statement from my my Instagram friend who said, you know, that Facebook and Instagram are are going to do whatever they can to get in on the revenue of the economy that they are powering with their platform. Number four, it's difficult to talk about how this removal of likes is going to affect growth for influencers. Now, I had originally made this point as a prediction that this will make it very difficult to become a new influencer. And my thought process was that the number of likes was a very important validation mechanism on whether you should follow someone or not. And what I mean by that is I am recommended a new profile. I first go to the profile. I see that they have X number of followers. That's group think mechanism number one for me. And then I scroll their picture and then I look how many likes they get on average. And that was kind of what I initially thought was the validation mechanism of whether I should follow or not. And you know, now I believe that maybe that's not true. I just don't know how much I personally or other people are looking at likes and using that as a, as a, a validation to whether they should follow or not. I, I just think about how the larger you grow, it seems in follower account, the, the lower, the number of likes you seem to get, you know, for example, I, I know fashion bloggers in our space with 400,000 followers, you know, and they're averaging 20,000 likes. And I've seen someone with twice as many followers, maybe even up to 900,000, you know, getting maybe 10 to 12,000 likes, but they're still growing. I don't know. I, I, it felt more responsible to kind of leave the point at this, that this is definitely going to affect growth in some way. It's going to affect how new influencers grow and it's going to affect how current influencers grow. But I pretty much think it's anyone's guess at this point, whether it will make it easier or harder to grow as a new influencer and, you know, what effect it will have on established influencers. I don't know. You know, for all we know, Instagram could prioritize quality content using some AI scanning feature of an image and every image with surfing and whales in it gets boosted up in the algorithm. We don't know and we'll probably never know what's going to work. And so as far as how this affects growth, I really kind of changed this last minute and I really just don't think that we know. I think it's a good thought exercise and you should be prepared for both, but we don't know. So let's talk about number five, the last one, what we do know. I believe that stories are going to become more popular. You know, I don't have any exact stats on on stories versus in feed. Um, maybe I should have found those before recording this, but it just feels as someone who's on the platform every day, it feels that slowly over time, we've kind of started to feel a shift from Instagram feed into Instagram stories. I just think that those little colorful bubbles, they, they really entice us, you know, way more than a finger scroll does now. And so when you remove the likes 
from the equation and the ability to engage with content in a way that helps you contribute to the five, 15, 50,000 likes a, on a picture, you know, my prediction is that we're, we're probably going to be moving even more into stories as the dominant means of entertainment on the platform. I believe in the power of groupthink um, more than any other psychological phenomenon out there, especially when it comes to social media and the internet. I think that both hate and love is carefully steered by the propeller of what seems to be popular opinion, not what each individual has thoughtfully and carefully decided for themselves with empathy and understanding. I know it's cynical, I know it sucks, but that is definitely the truth. We are not making individual contributions and comments. We are seeing what everyone else is saying and we are jumping on bandwagons. And, you know, I think that removing likes probably takes the group think out of our need to like something too a little bit. And I think that by affecting that incentive structure and that mechanism that makes you feel like you're contributing to the feed that you have, I think people are just going to run to stories. I believe that engagement's going to go down and, you know, without any understanding of how others are reacting to content, I don't know. I just think that we're going to jump right into that constant stream of video content via stories. You know, as for if this is a good or a bad thing, I, I don't know. I, I I don't see it as a bad thing. Um, I don't see why it would be. I'm I'm a little biased, I suppose, because you know both Danny and I we we love Instagram stories. It's one of the most natural places for us to let people into our lives and create content on. But you know, I think if the the most important thing is that if if video is uncomfortable for you as an influencer right now, then you know maybe what you should do is start figuring out what your story strategy is going to be. You know, and I can maybe do another episode on how to feel comfortable on camera because I really do believe it's like a muscle and it just takes time and practice and it's never easy. I don't think you ever lose the inertia of wanting to start a story on Instagram stories, but we can talk about that later. But, you know, those are my five predictions and, you know, who knows whether I'm going to be right or wrong. I don't think I'm, you know, setting these in stone to say, hey, I'm, you know, three years, I'm, I was right about everything. That's not the purpose of this podcast. You know, I think at a minimum, I, I hope that, you know, I, I think it'll help you think through what's coming down the pipeline from Instagram and hopefully less of a doomsday format. They're smart. They, they, they know what they're doing. They're not here to ruin the platform for anyone. They're testing it in several countries they want the best for the platform. And I just think that they're being long-term focused. And so what we can know is that change is going to happen. You know, it's going to especially happen on a platform you don't own, right? If you wanted a business that you were in fully full control of, then being an influencer is probably not that. You are definitely at the, at the, the whims of the social media giants and what they decide to do with their platform. And, you know, if you got into the industry thinking that they owed you anything, then just let this be the rude awakening that you probably needed anyway. I think that we should stay positive. I think that we should change. I think that we should adapt as influencers. I think that we should learn and I think that we should grow. 
So let me leave you from this podcast with three simple and tangible ways to start adapting as an influencer today. Number one, let's avoid checking your likes for 24 hours. You can't control it anyway. After you hit post, there's nothing that you can do really, unless someone emails me and tells me, you know, to get more likes. You can engage in the comments, you can connect with your audience, you can answer DMs. I I haven't heard from anyone that that truly affects how many likes you're gonna get. You create the content, you tell a story in the caption and you post it and whatever happens in that first 24 hour period, just let it go. But maybe untrain yourself from being so dependent on likes. That's number one. Number two, start focusing on your content. If likes and the validation of likes is what's driving you to create content, I think that Instagram is going to be against you from what they have publicly said in the next era of Instagram. You are better off focusing on your craft, figuring out how you want to create content that is different, testing content strategies, you know, take a picture of, do a selfie and then go take a picture with a house and then go take a picture with your dog and, you know, experiment, just figure out your own style and your own originality and really start training your audience on that. I think that that's going to be important. And then three, just keep your relationships in perspective on Instagram. You know, even if things shift from likes to followers and one day they remove followers, I'm an idealist. You're always going to get idealism on this podcast. I really do believe that Instagram can and is and should be a relationship device for you to reach people who relate with you. And so rather than prioritizing likes for a little while, just focus on the relationships, answer all your DMs, which it's really hard to do. There's sometimes a lot of them, but answer all your DMs, start building relationships, start understanding your audience, start giving them value. Just keep the relationships first. I think that no matter what changes that Instagram is making, they seem to want it to feel small. You know, they want it to feel like you're connecting with real people. And so just do that as an influencer and see what happens. And I think it'll actually play into the longer term strategy that Instagram has for itself. So, so just keep creating out there influencers and your influencer husbands. So that was this week's episode. I'll catch you on Instagram. I'm at influencer husband and my wife is at Danny Austin. Depending on the day we're creating content, you know, there and we try and let you guys into our lives. We'll see you next week on the influencer husband podcast. I forgot what we're talking about, but it's going to be good. So be sure to subscribe, like, comment, DM me, tell me everything you think, and I will see you soon. Let's talk it all.